And this is Ducky's sister, Megan. Hey. Hi. Oh. Hi. My grandma's not supposed to have wine. I'll, I'll be right back. Hey. How's it going? It's going great. It's going great. I'm on the mend. You know, I just got some pins in my legs. Believe it or not, pins in my legs can still do this. All right, a mate fell off a cruise ship. Oh, but I'm back. Shit. But yeah, oh shit. Yeah, oh shit. Took a hard, hard, violent fall, kind of pinballed down, hit a lot of railings, broke a lot of shit. I didn't, I'm not gonna say I survived, I'm gonna say I thrived. I met a dolphin down there, and I swear to God that dolphin looked not at me, but into my soul into my goddamn soul, Annie, and said, I'm saving you, Megan. Not with his mouth, but he said it, I'm assuming telepathically. We had a connection that I don't even know if I can, ex oh, Jesus. Hey, shut my mouth, look at, the unbelievable. You must be Annie's fella, Play I'm Megan. It's a pleasure. Oh, well. he's not, uh, I'm not, he's not, I'm not with him, sorry. Oh, all right. I'm glad he's single, because I'm going to climb that like a tree. Recorded live in the USA and covering the whole wide world, this is the Bubble Genius Bob and Chez Show. Right on! With Bob Seska and Chez Pazienza. Not mother. No, Ruprecht, she's not our mother. <laughs> May I take your trident, sir? Yes. Now, Diana, as you were saying, you don't think the poor should be allowed in museums? I think the Ruprecht, fork... don't take the cork off the fork. Why is the cork on the fork? To prevent him hurting himself and others. Uh. Ruprecht, eat your applesauce. <laughs> Ruprecht, we have wonderful news. <laughs> Diana and I are going to be married, and we are all going to live in Palm Beach. Ruprecht! The following podcast contains harsh language, nudity, graphic violence, adult situations, and a healthy obsession with empirical reality. The Bubble Genius Bob and Chez Show. How you doing? Bob Seska right here. Chez. And me, Chez Pazienza. Yeah, Chez. look, I finally got to do that. Yeah, yeah hey, good. I think we should do it all. We, we're, we're finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> just like an old married couple. Oh, my God, we're just an old married Italian couple. Yes, I'm growing a gigantic uh, uh, mustache made of armpit hair. <laughs> you too? Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, big show this week, and we're doing a show uh, early this week because I've got some uh, some family stuff that I got to do uh, later in the week. So Thursday, uh, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be nowhere near a computer, much less a microphone. So, uh, well, hey, we might as well do the show uh, a little bit early. You live in Hawaii. I have no idea why you're ever near a computer or a microphone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised. <laughs> you'd be surprised. If I, if I were you, I'd still be out trying to find that uh, that Ruthie chick from, like, season six of The Real World. I can't remember. I think it was six. Uh, the drunk six, one. Season six was in Hawaii? Uh, one of them was, yeah. I just remember Ruthie, the really drunk girl. And Kaya, the one who constantly took her clothes off, like everybody else on that show now. Yeah. I mean, for, for new listeners, I, I do. I live in Honolulu. In fact, I, I'm... A, I'm like a block away. In fact, I can look out my window and see the president's grade school. I can see Punahou's school from my window. So and you're I, in Kenya then? <laughs> I can look out the other window and see the hospital where he's born. That's only a block away. Mm. 
And just yesterday, I or, drove, or so they say. But uh, you know, we have on in the background here the uh, the CNN Republican debate. It just seems like every Tuesday night they're doing another debate with the Republicans. <laughs> Andy Borowitz, hit, first of all, it was brilliant to begin with, hit it on the head. It, it's like a reality show where all the contestants suck and nobody's ever voted off. <laughs> That's right. Well, this, I mean, and it's funny because it's almost interchangeable with the other debates. The stage seems the same. It's like they introduce everyone the same way with like, a, I think as as I was doing the intro, they were showing the candidates portrayed as, as playing cards, I think. <laughs> Like their faces on playing cards thrown down onto like a felt so, poker table. So our <laughs> well, they're in Vegas, and and we all know where to find the losers in Vegas tonight. Oh, that's um, right. So right. so let me so let me get this straight. The U.S. military has been dispatched to kill them one at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's a strange metaphor, isn't it? Considering wouldn't what it be was great happening? if like tomorrow morning they had like a, a you know the U.S. military had like a briefing where uh, one of the generals held up a card with a picture of Michelle Bachman. We got her. Well, yeah, I mean, they also did the uh, the thing with the uh, Star Spangled Banner where they did the national anthem and some guy sang the national anthem and they did. I mean, the shots are exactly the same. They did sort of a, I don't know, there's a, a, a tracking shot across all of the candidates as they each try to stand just slightly taller than the other one, you know, where it looked like almost Rick Perry was standing so tall that he was almost bent over backwards. <laughs> I mean, that's what I noticed. All, all their their hands on the heart, which that's some that's a new development. Oh, so there were there was there was corporate money around, and thus he was bending over backwards. That's right. The, you know, there is no. I don't remember any, there being any sort of requirement that you put your hand on your heart during the national anthem. See, the the hand on the heart is for the pledge. Like if you're giving a pledge, you put your hand on your heart. You know, so you're sort of attesting to the words of that pledge from your heart. That's the yeah, idea. But do you do you want to be the person who is not putting their hand on their heart or doing whatever the most ridiculously absurd, ex, absurdly expressive thing possible to show your patriotism during the pledge? Yeah. Because that'll be a fucking scandal. You know, a bunch of them will put their hands on their hearts. One poor asshole, Ron Paul or somebody is, you know, hearing aid will have fallen out and he'll forget to do it. And, you know, he won't realize he should do it. And then the next day, they'll turn it into a scandal. Well, Ron Paul didn't put his hand on his heart during the pledge. So uh, he's obviously, you know, not patriotic enough to be president. Well, that's exactly what happened four years ago with the president. Right. Barack Obama was at some event with the other candidates. I believe it was in Iowa or something like that. And there was the national anthem. And he just stood there. And but then uh, I believe it was uh, Bill Richardson and, and Hillary Clinton put their hands on their heart. Right. And you don't well, once again, you don't want to be the one in that picture. Yeah. But they were both standing behind him. So he didn't he didn't realize. And why didn't he realize? Because this is somehow a new rule. There's a new rule. Right. We got to put our hands on our hearts and, you know, wrap a, a little miniature flag around our scrotal sacks or something in order to adequately represent our patriotism. Well, then, in that case, I'm the most patriotic man in the universe. <laughs> you have a, a, small, a little flag. I have, a, I have quite flag a large. Scrotals. I've got a gigantic flag. I've got like one of those flags <laughs> that they fly above the Capitol wrapped around my scrotum. It's not very <laughs> comfortable, a, but you know, and, and you've also got the lapel pin issue. <laughs> yeah, you well, know, that's where, true. where all of a sudden, I mean, they did that for the longest time, and and some of them still do that. I think um, Kane over Yom Kippur, I happen to notice, had a uh, a um, a lapel pin that had the American flag and, of course, the Israeli flag because yeah. we have to show deference to Israel, um, which I'm not going to get into one way or the other. I just found it kind of amusing. 
But after a while with that, it, it turned into those two Puerto Rican guys from Seinfeld. You're not going to wear the ribbon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he's not going to wear the ribbon. And I, yeah, I'm noticing in the in the Republican debate, they're all wearing their lapel pins. Of course they are. It's just you know, oh God. I mean, it it's just asinine. It, it, it's a, it's absurd. It's nonsense. It's you know, I think Bill Maher once once uh, jokingly said, it's like you know, it's it's literally the least you can do. Yeah. You know, slapping a bumper sticker on your car or mm-hmm. wearing a fucking lapel pin or putting your hand on your heart. It, it is it is, you know, America is, if nothing else, we are about uh, ineffectual, ridiculous gestures yeah. over actually doing something important. And that was all, you know, that all rose up after 9-11. I mean, until 9-11, it wasn't really it wasn't really a thing. It wasn't a competitive you know, accessory. It wasn't a fashion accessory to wear the flag. It, you know, it wasn't a requirement for politicians to do all of this stuff until after 9-11. This is all a post-9-11 thing, wearing flag lapel pins and, and putting uh, magnetic bumper stickers on, on the backs of your cars. And if, and if you don't, you're, you know, you're not as patriotic as the guy who does, which yeah. I'm not even going to bother going into how asinine that is. But yeah, you're right. It's like, as you kind of alluded to, it's a competitive sport now. The, you know, the other thing is, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of right wing talk radio this week, and I do that occasionally. <laughs> I'm, where... so, I'm sorry, I'm taking a drink when you said that. <laughs> really, you do? You do? Why? Oh yeah. For fuck's sake, what's wrong with you? Oh, it's 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 entertaining and educational all at once. It's like, yeah, and I I said on Twitter today, it's almost like eavesdropping on like a super secret meeting of of idiots. It, it really is because you you finally you get to hear firsthand what they're talking about and and the sort of conflations they're made like they're they're one of the things they're doing is they're conflating uh, the president the Occupy Wall Street people and just the general Democratic Party with right. uh, and this is nothing new but. You know, you listen to some of these shows and they're all the same. They're all equating all of these things with the Bolshevik revolution. Somehow Trotsky and Lenin and Stalin and, you know, Karl Marx and all these people, yeah, are are now running the White House. And and it doesn't matter what show you listen to. They're literally all the same, except for the names. You know, there's I I, you know, I can hear uh, Dennis Miller. Uh, there's another guy on after him called Dennis Prager. There's yeah. uh, uh, Mark Levin. By the way, I I appreciated your your comment today about you know the sort of what the fuck happened to Dennis Miller. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was uh, you know he was a smart, funny guy, and then nine yep. eleven happened, and I guess along he lost with the his mind. Uh, yeah, with the lapel, I mean, maybe he stuck a lapel pin too deeply into his forehead or something, and pierced his brain because he suddenly became this wingnut, this sort of post 9-11 conservative. And it happened to a lot of people. But when Dennis Miller did it, it was very striking because he lost his sense of humor. As we know, conservatives are just sim- simply not funny. They really no. try to be like Herman Cain really, really tries to be funny. Like he made a big joke this week about immigration where he wants to put up an electrified fence that will actually electrocute people who try to climb over it. <laughs> And then yeah. whenever it? The, wasn't there a uh, wasn't there someone in, in uh, I don't know, one of his constituents or somebody like that, uh, somebody who's a, a lawmaker in Texas or something like that, who said that uh, not that he's a constituent of, of uh, Herman Cain, but uh, basically somebody who, who uh, took very serious offense to that and did not laugh and essentially wanted to withdraw from the GOP because of it or something like that. I think I read that. 
Well, Herman Cain obviously was tipped off that maybe this is not a good idea to go around talking about his gigantic uh, electric fence. His electric uh, Mexican death fence. <laughs> yeah. By the way, is on tour with a couple of black metal bands out of Norway. Just so you know. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so he, uh, he withdrew that comment. He said he was just joking. But again, it's uh, like uh, not funny. Just totally not funny. But the, the no. dominating thing is that uh, besides uh, the Obama administration organizing an underground Bolshevik revolution, what they're saying a lot on right-wing talk radio, and again, this is every show. It's like they all get the same notes, right? Every syndicated radio show has the same talking points. They're delivering the same memes. It's, it's this message discipline that you hear on the right that is mm -hmm. uh, all at once – Kind of interesting and frightening at the same time. But so they're saying that the Occupy Wall Street movement is anti-capitalist. This, this is the false lead that they're giving their people, making it easy for everyone to attack the Occupy Wall Street movement. Because it's easy to attack people who are anti-capitalist. Because then if you go after celebrities who are part of the Occupy Wall Street thing, then they're, celebrities are obviously capitalists. They've made their fortunes from these gigantic corporations, right? These huge corporations right. that own all the movie studios. So you can't, you can't be really a celebrity and anti-capitalist at the same time. So by saying that they're anti-capitalist, you create an hypocrisy meme. So it makes it easy for these guys to attack Occupy Wall Street participants, celebrities as being hypocritical, but then also the participants because, you know, they're buying their coffee at Starbucks or they're tweeting about OWS on their iPhone and things like that. So they're, they're fabricating a hypocrisy there that doesn't really exist. And in truth, and think progress did. The idea uh, of the right pointing out hypocrisy is just is, – is laughable oh yeah just yeah. laughable and there's a number of aspects to it as well uh there was a, a post on think progress uh about this poll in the wall street journal about the occupy wall street movement the way the poll was written up uh made the again it was delivering this meme that the occupy wall street people are anti-capitalist and but the poll results say something entirely different in fact only four percent Four percent of the members of the Occupy Wall Street movement say they want the dissolution of the capitalist system. All right. The question was, what would you like to see the Occupy Wall Street movement achieve? Thirty five percent say influence the Democratic Party the way the Tea Party has influenced the GOP. Thirty five percent. Then there's a big drop off. Four percent say radical redistribution of wealth. 5% say overhaul the tax system, replace income tax with a flat tax. I don't know where that came from. 7. Direct democracy. 9%. Engage and mobilize progressives. 9%. Promote a national conversation. 11%. Break the two-party duopoly. 4%. Dissolution of our representative democracy slash capitalist system. 4% single-payer health care. 4% pull out of Afghanistan immediately. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, and 8% not sure. So there's a lot of different things that a lot of different people believe, but predominantly they're not saying let's get they're not saying let's get rid of capitalism. So the other uh, the other result of the poll question, well, the other uh, poll question they did here uh, as part of the Wall Street Journal thing was uh, what frustrates you about the uh, political process in the United States? Thirty percent influence of corporate money, special interests. Well, there you go. That's Occupy Wall Street. 
3% are democratic capitalist system. 3%. 3% also say stagnant middle class wages. As to me, that should be higher. Uh, 21% say partisanship. 15% say joblessness. I think they think that they probably considered uh, unemployment to be an offshoot of everything else. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a capitalist. Of course I'm a capitalist. And I, and I, you know, and I said on the, on this show, I said a few weeks ago, I'm like, look, you know what? There are people working on wall street and people working for corporations who are people. They are, you know, they, they're not, not all robber barons. Um, the issue that people have, I think that, that, you know, most of the folks on uh, occupy wall street. Um, and by the way, shoot me again, if I ever say the word folks, um, <laughs> Which I just did. Uh, you know, I think that I think that uh, a, a lot of what people are are uh, pissed about is not so much the sort of inequity of of uh, you know not just an income disparity, but what created the income disparity, which is that yeah, look, the very rich are. are I'm not saying anything uh, all that uh, uh, earth shattering here. The very rich are allowed to get rich because they control politics and because they you know it's it, the system is greased. And it's greased to help them out and kind of fuck everybody else. You know, we bailed out the banks and what have we gotten for it? You know, we're we're under the country as a whole is is under the heel of these people. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why something as simple and, you know, and in the great scheme of things, paying an extra five dollars a month, the Bank of America probably is not the biggest thing on earth. But it's it's the point of it, which is that, God damn it, we bailed you ungrateful fuckers out. And, and, you know, and this is how you repay that. You walk away scot-free like nothing happened. You foreclose on our homes. And now to add insult to injury, you find a way around new regulations by fucking us some other way. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's, uh, 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 they, they clamp down on us on that. Okay, we'll just find another place to take, take the blood out of you. Yeah, yeah. They have infinite. And that's, that's what piss people off. Infinite piles of cash with which to uh, research new and different ways to break through loopholes in the system, and which is exactly. exactly what they did. And they were so complex and so devious. I mean, if you read some of Matt Taibbi's stuff, I mean, he really did a great job detailing all of the uh, all of the ways in which uh, you know Wall Street and the financial sector found very, 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 very complicated ways to uh, find their way around regulations and to find new ways sure. to, to make money out of nothing, out of just paper. And, and, and the, the simplest thing is that, you know, the, the, the easiest, most sort of Machiavellian thing that, that you can tell somebody is they bet against you. The banks bet against the idea that you would be able to pay your loan. They bet against you, regardless whether you defaulted, whether you didn't. They won. You know, and that's that's shitting on your customers. And look, I'm not anti-capitalist myself. I mean, following up on what you were saying, I mean, I've owned and and currently I currently own one company, uh, but I have owned three subchapter S corporations in the last 15 years. Three, including the one I currently run. But I, you know, I make my money in a for-profit venue, right? So I'm not about to shoot myself in the foot with regards to these things. But I do believe, and I think a a large majority of uh, Occupy Wall Street participants believe, that certain corporations have abused the system. And, And it's a matter now of finding ways to regulate these people, or if they've broken the law, to punish them for abusing the system. And that abuse of the system caused widespread 
economic damage, the deepest since the Great Depression. So deep that, in fact, it took down two of my three businesses, right? So these guys got bailouts. I ended up, you know, losing two of my businesses in the process. You bailed them out. And the answer to, to that, the answer to, to uh, what it did to you is now we're going to squeeze you. Yeah. You know, yeah. austerity. Now we're now we're going to make we're going to take away all the little programs that help you out. All that shit. You're going to have to pay yet again. We're going to tighten the belt on you and these people are getting fucking rich. Like no no, not rich. Rich is 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 the ultimate understatement. These people their fortunes are in the fucking stratosphere. And I wouldn't be as, you know, I I've experienced I've said this on the show before so this is nothing new. But in the process of this recession I've experienced every shitty thing that can happen in the course of a recession. I mean, I've dealt with all of it. No, so, but it's all your fault. It, but Just like Herman Cain <laughs> says. Like Herman Cain says, it's all your fault. If you're not, if you can't pick yourself up by your fucking bootstraps, then obviously there's something wrong with you. Don't well, but, blame Wall Street. Oh, and, yeah, I mean, that's exactly my point. My point is that none of the failures of, of the things I've experienced were part and parcel of, of business decisions that I made. Certainly, I, I, I wasn't flawless, and, I, and there were certain things that I could have done differently in the course of, of running those two businesses. But, you know, you can, you can actually chart. I mean, those businesses, and I don't want to get too, too detailed about it because it's not really that interesting. But, I mean, the, the businesses I ran were profitable every single year and growing every single year. At the height of the one business, I employed almost 100 people, all right? And so, and then it all just dissipated as soon as, you know, as soon as the economy starts tanking, everything dissipates. I mean, the whole thing goes away for lots and lots of people. I mean, people losing their jobs, uh, not spending as much, people tightening their My belts. My mother lost half of her retirement account. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, and that's how it goes. It really just everyone gets screwed while also you know, bailing out these people. And, you know, look, I was fine with the bailouts, too, but I was hoping for some accountability at the same time. And that's why I was so glad to see uh, Occupy Wall Street rise up a little late, I believe. But still, as long as it's happening, I don't care when it's going to happen. It's now happening that hopefully there will be some accountability here. Hopefully there will be some regulations. Hopefully the, the, we'll be able to throw some money at this, not in the form of bailouts, but in the form of finding new ways to keep an eye on this shit. Because, look, these guys, and as I was saying before, have piles and piles of money with which to find new ways to circumvent the system. We have to find piles and piles of money to close those gaps. And it's hard. Because, you know, the government has only a certain amount of money to use to enforce these regulations. And we had a guy, we had a guy in New York who was really close on their heels. He almost had them. And I'm talking about Elliot Spitzer here. Mm -hmm. Except he tripped over his wang and, you know, <laughs> that was that. But he was so close. Elliot Spitzer was so close to finding a bunch of these assholes and prosecuting them. But he had this fatal flaw. And look, if you're going to go after powerful, wealthy people, you better not have any skeletons because they're going to right. find them and they're going to exploit them. And that's exactly what happened to Spitzer. It's exactly what yeah. happened. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, uh, I, I think the interesting thing about Occupy Wall Street is that, uh, you know, obviously you, you want to be like you said, at some point, the, the question right now, I guess, is what what's next? What are they going to do? I mean, besides just the uprising, what real effect can it have? What can it really change? And I'm not 
by the way, saying that it can't. I'm just asking, you know, I'm saying that's that's the, the question to consider. Um, and while I know Occupy Wall Street and, and the people who are running it, um, obviously it's a hydro, which is a good thing. Um, uh, they're, you know, I... I I know that they're they're uh, they're concerned about the possibility of it being sort of cynically co-opted by politicians, and I agree with that. But the problem is that at some point you do have to realize that in order to take it to the next level, you are going to have to make it a political force rather than simply a you know a, a street uprising. I think the street uprising was fucking hugely important. It was it's ne- it is necessary. It wasn't was necessary. It is necessary. The thing is what to do with it next. And my fear has always been. That, you know, Matt Osborne, blogger, writes about this all the time. And he says that his fear is sort of that the cool kids will kind of take it over. And I'm not going to go back to the Hampshires and Greenwalds and so on. Oh, we'll uh, get to them in a minute. Oh, the Obama bots thing, please. Um, uh, But no, I mean, but but you don't want any – the beauty of this is that no one in particular has taken it over. And and by the same token, you don't want people basically playing the role of gatekeeper. And saying, oh, you know what, that politician, he's not up to our standards. Or moveon.org, that's a democratic group, so we don't want them taking over. Now, what you don't want them doing is you don't want groups like moveon.org or politicians coming in and saying, I speak for you. I agree with that. But if they – if you have people who are in power who genuinely say, I hear you and I want to be a part of this. Tell me what I need to do and then don't be fucking stupid and count it out immediately. And that's one of the things that's always scared me is that there are people who, like I said, are playing the role of the sort of cool kid gatekeeper and are trying to keep the movement pure. Um, But the interesting thing, you know, what you brought up is, uh, you know, the right, uh, the the blowhards are taking this seriously when they're trying as hard as they are to demonize and denigrate it. You know, Taibbi had a... um, once again, had a great point about um, how this is uh, it's a genuine uprising of real people with no real leaders. And that makes it very hard for the Rush Limbaugh's of the world to sort of get their hands around and strangle. Um, the more they try to beat this down from on high, it's, it's like playing whack-a-mole. And right now, the troublesome moles are pretty much everywhere, which I think is terrific. Um, and the, once again, the usual right-wing blowhards, the guys like Limbaugh, they're losing their shit because they don't have any power over this. They can't claim i mean they can like you said but but it's ridiculous they can't really claim that there's some kind of top-down conspiracy pulling the strings of this thing because it's horseshit this is an honest to god uprising and the usual tactics of squelching it from the right i, I don't think are going to work this time and that's a beautiful thing yeah i hope so you know and i believe though if it's if it's going to fail it's not going to be because of the right it's going to fail because of the actual movement itself Agreed. And, uh, you know, there's some things that obviously some polish they need to add to the process and they need to uh, devise some sort of unified message, some kind of, you know, list. I know there are a list of grievances and there are a list of demands, and but they need to do a better job of pushing that out there rather than the story constantly being, you know, how many people got arrested yesterday. And they just have to stick with it. They have to keep growing and 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 staying put. And as as soon as it starts to dissipate and as soon as people start to lose interest, that's when it fails. But as soon as they can, I mean, as long as they can continue to build momentum, that's always going to be good. And I, I really hope they do. Building momentum is huge. And I agree with you. They have to keep doing it. They have to stay where they are. They have to not let up. Another thing that they're going to have to do, though, and that's kind of what I was sort of trying to reference a little bit about politics, is um, in order to stay 
one step. They have to be savvy and sophisticated and in order to, to really bring about change. And, and uh, one of the things that they're going to have to do at some point is they're going to have to not just stay put but evolve. They have to because in order to do that, th- by doing that, that's the only way that you stay one step ahead of sort of media obsolescence. You know what I mean? Which basically is that you, you and I have talked about this before where eventually after a while, I don't care how big the story is. Uh, the media will get bored with it oh, yeah. and they'll, you know, and they'll move on to something else. And the only way that you stay ahead of that is you basically play Lady Gaga and you constantly change yourself or Madonna or whatever. You know, you take a cue from pop culture dynamos and you basically figure out a way to constantly be evolving so that every time these people turn around, there's something new that uh, there's something that's not just steadfast about it, but but new about it as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great point. And, you know, there was one last thing I wanted to mention uh, about the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement. It was a there's a graphic floating around. And, you know, the the, the famous Tea Party protest graphic uh, Photoshop image of a bunch of protesters on a street corner with little orange arrows pointing to the different items in the scene that are all from basically democratic socialism, basically from wealth redistribution, people paying into the system, and then uh, the system purchasing things like stoplights and roads and, and sidewalks and things like that. Well, there's a companion one about the Occupy Wall Street protests, where there's little arrows pointing to all the things that are owned by corporations. And I don't understand. Again, it's, it's creating a false hypocrisy, because the movement is not, again, it's not an anti- corporate movement it's an anti-corporate crime movement and i think that needs to be maybe maybe that's one thing they could do a little better is make is making sure to underscore that that it's not anti-corporate it's anti-corporate crime because those are two very distinct things but uh here is a corporation we absolutely support and this by supporting this corporation we are not hypocrites because this corporation is a decent law-abiding corporation. And that is Bubble Genius. This is the Bubble Genius Bob and Chez Show. Brought to you, as always, by BubbleGenius.com. Pure products, pure genius, Bubble Genius. The best damn soap in the world. And here now is their latest commercial. Alas, poor Yorick. I knew him, Horatio. Hey, uh, Hamlet, that's not Yorick. It's, uh, it's a soap. A soap of infinite suds of most excellent fancy. Yep, it is pretty fancy. Uh, soap on a rope. To bathe or not to bathe, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the tub to suffer the suds and showers of outrageous smudges, or to take arms against a sea of bubbles and by a bluting, end them. To wash, to soak, to soak perchance to clean. Aye, there's the rub. Alas, poor Yorick. Skull, soap on a rope, in four colors, including glow-in-the-dark. BubbleGenius.com Shove Bob and Chez into your pants and haul them around with you wherever you go. Subscribe to the Bob and Chez Show in the podcast section on iTunes. Yeah, make sure to enter your promo code Bob and Chez, B-O-B-A-N-D-C-H-E-Z and get 15% off your entire order from Bubble Genius. Uh, wanted to talk about this uh, item in Politico. Finally, some of the good guys are, are getting some press here. And uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, the Hampshire Greenwald gang on the left. Consortium. We sometimes call them the cool kids. 
And uh, so Politico, uh, Ben Smith and Emily Schultheis, I guess. Is Dr. Emil Schofhausen. We'll just say Ben Smith from Politico <laughs> wrote right. a piece called Obama bots defend POTUS in Twitterverse. It's, you know, mildly condescending press. But yeah, it's it, it is. It's very much is uh, because, well, the I mean, you know, I talk about pejorative. I mean, Obama bots is not particularly pleasant no that that's that's it exactly i mean you know obama bots and and you know greenwald's uh intimation that uh you know they should be checked to see whether it's uh, you know they're paid by the white house or some such horse shit like that if if anything shock actually is not a human being he's a machine the number yeah. of tweets that he cranks out like per second <laughs> yeah yeah what, uh, i'm trying to find that quote from greenwald yeah, I think it's it's in there somewhere. I, I unless I read it wrong, but no, uh, no, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, one of the things that he says is, uh, um, you know, once again, anybody who, uh, and I know you and I have written about this extensively, and I'm not going down this fucking road again, but uh, anybody who who has a tendency uh, to defend Obama, the president, yeah. um, uh, anyone who has a tendency to do that is is just under some sort of magic spell and uh, is suffering, uh, you know, under a cult of personality or once again, some such horse shit like that. And it's it's just it's ridiculous nonsense. It really, really is. I mean, first of all, coming from Greenwald, you know, uh, because obviously, you know, uh, someone who supports the president and, and, you know, largely, not entirely, I know none of us support him entirely, but largely sort of looks at the accomplishments that, uh, that um, uh, he has under his belt and thinks that that's a good thing and does not constantly hector him about every little fucking thing. That person is, uh, you know, uh, suffers under a cult of personality. But, you know, deep-throating Julian Assange should never be regarded as anything less than an act of absolute intellectual honesty. And and going back to uh, what you said about Glenn Greenwald, I think I have the quote here. And he kind of implies that there is some sort of coordination behind all of this. And it's uh, Greenwald says, an interesting question is how coordinated this is. Well, it's it's only coordinated insofar as some of us are, are actually friends and we communicate to each other. And, you know, right. I, I don't consider myself. No, for Green for Greenwald, that's that's an oddity, because I, I can't imagine he has that many friends. <laughs> really, he's got to be sitting there going, well, obviously it's coordinated. No, 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 dickhead. What you call coordination, the rest of humanity calls friendship. Yeah. Well, I mean, he wants to find some sort of uh, some sort of conspiracy behind all of this. And I, I don't know that you can call, you know, observing reality a conspiracy. And because that's all this is. I mean, there's no coordination behind it. There's no effort to say, all right, let's all band together. You know, let's all we'll call ourselves Obama bots and we'll form this big movement. But it's just it's simply observing reality. You know, it's observing the fact that. All of the troops, for example, are going to be out of Iraq by the end of the year. All of them. There will be zero American soldiers in Iraq after the end of the year. If you read some blogs, and we've mentioned them before, you will not find anything about that. You simply won't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also wanted to correct, too. I don't think I, I see very few attacks on Rachel Maddow. It says here that this piece says that uh, favorite Obama bot targets include Krugman in Hampshire and MSNBC host Rachel Maddow. 
Yeah, I actually found that interesting, too. I know, I'm glad you noticed that because I noticed the same thing. And I thought, wow, really? I, I've honestly I mean, look, you know, because it's not coordinated, I can't speak for everybody. Uh, you know, I didn't get my talking points today the, that came down the uh, came down from the White House. But uh, I, I haven't seen a lot of of people who I know who tend to agree with the things that I agree with uh, attacking Rachel Maddow. Yeah. Well, it's, it. it's 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 a hackish reporting maneuver uh, because of what they're trying to do is they're trying to categorize everything that's posted by everyone. So if you say, well, it's, if at some point and I say, you know what, I disagree with Rachel on this one thing, which I have occasionally disagreed with Rachel, even though I think she's the best thing on television as far as political uh, cable news media television goes. Rachel's the I best agree. thing on there. It's okay if I if I say that and then also say, well, you know what? She did something the other day that I really disagree with, and here's why. That doesn't make that disagreement part of a larger movement to you know to demonize people who criticize the president. And, and no, I, but that's exactly what you were saying. Uh, the, the entire idea of sort of we should be able to say, look, there are things that I appreciate about what you say, and there are things that I, I disagree with. And because we're not all about, you know, bumper sticker, uh, uh, political, ideological purity, um, that can be accepted. It doesn't mean I hate you or I dislike everything you stand for. I don't like every single thing Obama's done. And I've, you know, and there have been things that I've been furious about. And I've, you know, and I've very much written about it. But by the same token, you know, yeah, look, you know what? Credit where credit is due. For God's sakes, I give Greenwald credit when he says something I like. You know, I think I put a post up with from him last week and I said, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, look, I uh, to be honest, I dislike him actually these days uh, because I think he's a whiny baby. But, you know, to be honest, when when he says something that I agree with, 110 percent, fuck yeah. And I I don't just hide it. I don't hide it somewhere, you know, and not say, oh, I agree. Since he's Greenwald, I'm not going to say anything. You know, fuck that. No. You know what? He said something right or something, you know, I can't say right, but something I agree with. Then yeah, you get credit. You know, I I pat you on the back and give you, you know, very vocal applause. That's right. I mean, if you if you do a search of my blog, you'll probably find quite a few things where I actually compliment Glenn Greenwald. And yeah. because he's a smart, you know what? He's a smart guy and he knows incredibly and he's one of the most articulate uh, liberals on the Internet. I mean, easily a guy who should have his own show in some way where, exactly. where, because he, he's good on television. He knows how to make a point. He's snappy. He can construct a very uh, sharp sentence and make a point very clearly. The problem is, is that he's got some kind of agenda that runs contrary to a lot of things that are happening, you know, in the real world. And, and I, you know, and again, I, 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 you and I've talked about this before. I think he thinks that that makes him sort of, you know, the ultimate independent, yeah. that that makes him journalistic integrity's last man standing. And that's it's not true. It just isn't. Just as a, you know, that makes you contrarian for no good reason. Just as a quick non sequitur, they just flashed a, a, a shot of the audience at the mm-hmm. Republican debate on CNN. Wayne Newton mm-hmm. is in the audience. Thank God. Wayne Newton, my God, the guy looks like, I don't know, he looks like a Cabbage Patch doll at this point. He looks, <laughs> I mean, he's so, I mean, Next, so much bad plastic surgery on that guy. He's like, he's Next like, week, by the way, he's going to be the Republican frontrunner, so be careful. <laughs> he's like a Cabbage Patch doll with a bad Elvis wig. That's what he looked like. Jesus Christ. The guy's probably, uh, I, yeah, I would stand to guess that he's probably a Ron Paul guy. 
I got to be honest, I actually saw him in, uh, totally off the subject. I saw him in concert several years ago. Uh-huh. He actually, dude, he ruled. Wayne Newton was he, the man. Puts on a hell of a show. I'll give him that. Well, How is uh, how's how's Herman Cain holding up? If you know what, if Elvis Presley is still alive, he just shot his television out. He just <laughs> shot his television with a gun. Is this what Elvis Presley used to do? Elvis used to whenever Wayne Newton would appear because Elvis believed that Wayne Newton was trying to rip him off, and so every time he would see Wayne Newton on television, Elvis would take out a pistol and shoot his television. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That is actual this, Elvis I don't know Moore. if you know this, but uh, handguns make excellent TV remote controls. <laughs> and, you know, Elvis also had uh, TV glasses that he could wear that, that would allow him to lay flat on his back in his bed and still be able to see the television. There were special <laughs> glasses that had mirrors on them, and they called them his TV glasses. <laughs> I just love that shit. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so if you want to check this out, this, uh, this article in Politico... And, uh, and, you know, it, there's a lot of things in it will frustrate you. There's no doubt about that. But I'm at least glad to see that people who uh, understand what's happening in the real world are, are gaining some, uh, some attention here. You know, right. P- people who- it's, it's what you and I have talked about. It, it's, it's not that you don't want to stick to your, your, uh, stick to your guns. It's not that you don't want to, uh, uh, you know, stand by your convictions. But you do have to. There has to be an acceptance of political reality, and it's not selling out. It's just accepting that, look, you know what? You are not living in in fucking, you know, the great progressive utopia. You're not going to get every single thing you want, period. Right, and if you know how to do it, let me know. I mean, if you know if you yeah. know of a way, and I'm talking about a realistic way, don't tell me let's primary Obama with Dennis Kucinich. I want a realistic way to to get uh, a more progressive policies passed through Congress, signed by the president in a more rapid fashion than by supporting arguably the most liberal president in modern American history. And I'm talking about modern American history being the last 40 years. Show me the way. Show me the path to the votes. And if you know that path, my God, stop keeping it a secret because the rest of us would really like to know. And I'm not, I, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being snarky by saying that. I'm, I'm asking for that solution legitimately because I don't see any other way. The, and, and again, not to retread the same ground over and over again. The ship of state in the United States... Very slow moving. Very, very slow moving. It's a very, very pragmatic country. We turn the boat very slowly before massive change can occur. It takes a while. It's a matter of small moves. And this president, more so than any president, has successfully begun to turn that ship. And even if none of the things that he he promised actually came true. We talked about his record the other day. It's something like he's batting 750, right, in terms mm. of campaign promises kept. If none of that ever, ever happened, the, and he failed on every account and every attempt, there was nothing, no successes for the Obama administration, no liberal successes whatsoever. At least the guy is up there in front of joint sessions of Congress making a pitch to say this is why – this is how government can function well in the United States, making a pitch for government policy, making a pitch for government involvement in everyday life, the positive aspects 
of quote unquote big government. The complete opposite of what Clinton said 10 years ago about the era or whatever it was 15 years ago about the era of big government being over. Barack Obama is making a pitch for the opposite of that. Barack Obama is making a pitch for the opposite of Reaganomics, which is deregulation and tax cuts and, you know, all of it, spending cuts and just everything that Reagan pushed for, the destruction of the middle class, trickle-down economics. Show me a way to, to, towards reversing all of that that is more effective than what this president is doing. And it can happen in a more rapid fashion. Yeah, certainly you can figure out a way to do it where it happens maybe 15, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. But how does that solve our problems now? How does that begin to turn the ship of state now? And I assure you, coming up with some third frickin' party candidate, some primary challenge to the president is not the way to do it. Certainly badgering this president by ignoring the successes and turning him into this uber Bush Cheney juggernaut is is not the way to do it either because it's simply not true. If you if you're if you are one of those people and and certainly I'm I'm not even saying that that Greenwald or any you know Greenwald et al are um but if you're one of those people who who actually says that Obama and Bush are the same or that Obama's worse your your opinion doesn't even matter. You don't even deserve to be taken seriously, not even for a half a fucking second. That's right. It's it's such a comical notion that, you know, it just it produces a smile on my face. You know, seriously, go back and sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it happens all the time. It it, and it happens from people who who carry themselves as being very serious people. They really and, you know, show me how convincing people to stay home on election day, whether it was 2010 or coming up in 2012, show me how that is going to be more effective in, in passing progressive policy in Washington. I don't see the path to that. Show me how you're going to convince Ben Nelson and Joe Lieberman to back progressive policy. You know, it's not going to happen. Primarying them is not going to work. Obviously we've tried that. The only solution is getting on the ground and they get I feel like a broken record, but it needs to be said over and over and over again because it's clearly not getting through. We got to be on the ground. We got to convince voters one by one that progressivism is the more effective way of running the United States government. And once we Mm. convince voters, we then make it safe for people like Ben Nelson and Blanche Lincoln to uh, vote for progressive policies because they will have no choice because they're 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 voters. the, the, The base will want more and as soon as they want more then they'll say oh okay well good but right now there aren't enough progressives in nebraska to make it politically feasible for ben nelson to vote for progressive policy to vote for health care reform to vote for you know, the public option it just doesn't happen so make the case saying that so-and-so is worse than bush is not making the case nothing in this man's history in his biography read his books it's all there in print Two bestseller books, Dreams from My Father and uh, The Audacity of Hope. Read them. It's all right there. There should be no surprises about what this guy believes. Show me how badgering him and screeching at him has ever, has ever made him change his mind. It just right. doesn't, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So anyway, a, I had to, you know, it seems like every week we get off on this tangent 
but it's again, it's it's just so important because there's. I was so waiting. I'm just waiting for you to say we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America, gentlemen. Everybody gets up and walks out. <laughs> So anyway, uh, so that's the Obama bots thing in the Politico. I like that. It's important to read. It's important to read. How is how is Kane doing, by the way? Has he ordered pizzas for everybody yet? Uh, no, he has not. Uh, and Wayne Newton has not performed any songs. <laughs> and I assure you, if he did, if he did stand up and start singing Donka Shane or something, everyone would put their hands on their heart. Yep. You've uh, you've devoted an awful lot of time to talking about Herman Cain recently on the blog. Yeah. I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, he's the front that Jesus runner, quote, so. by the way, that's seriously that Jesus quote is the craziest thing I think I've ever read. Honestly, <laughs> it really is. And, that, a- and that's saying something. I looked at that and I'm like, that's fucking crazy. I don't know if you caught this, but Herman Cain said, uh, quote, the liberal court found him, him being Jesus. The liberal court found Jesus guilty of false offenses and sentenced him to death, all because he changed the hearts and minds of men with an army of 12. His death reset the clock of time. Never before and not since has there ever been such a perfect conservative. First of all, the idea that liberals would execute people. (laughs) Last time I checked, that was Rick Rick Perry's domain. Well, here's some... uh, yeah. Just, just I'm not religious at all. I, not a bit. I'm sacrilegious. I could I could absolutely give a shit. Um, but even I am offended at the idea of co-opting uh, a deity and pretending that somehow uh, this deity had has your political beliefs. That that's just I mean the fact that that Republicans have done that for so long with with this you know once again this image of of Jesus Christ is just it's. Really, it's so weird. It's like I'm not religious, and and you could, I mean, my God, you could say horrible things about Jesus, and I wouldn't care. And yet somehow I'm offended at the idea of someone co-opting something like that because it seems so tawdry to me. I can handle subversive comedy. That's cool. I'm good with that. But that's something about that is so fucking tawdry and below the belt. It is. It is. And, but and, then again, I mean, every the more you write, it's funny, you know, you write about Kane a lot. And I, I totally get it. Believe me, I know you're, you know, first of all, he's such a great character. There is no doubt about it. But I think, you know, I think you said it last week. And, and every time I hear him talk about how he's so thrilled to be, you know, uh, you know, getting his chance in front of the microphone and, you know, people are going to hear what he has to say. It's like, dude, let me tell you something. I seriously, I will I will get to lay on my back under Naomi Watts while she pisses Vicodin into my mouth before you get to be the Republican nominee for fucking president. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, here, I mean, you tell me. You tell me, uh, you know, whether or not Jesus was a conservative. Here's a quote. See whether or not Jesus would uh, maybe support Occupy Wall Street or be against it, based on this quote. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew nineteen twenty-three to 24. <clears throat> right? Blessed are, the, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Matthew 5, 9. Resist not evil, but whoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Matthew five thirty nine. I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew five forty four. Yeah, I wonder whether or not uh, Jesus would have gone to Iraq and uh, gone to war in Iraq. Right. 
in the temple courts, Jesus found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of uh, cords and drove them all from the temple area, both sheep, cattle. And he scattered Hmm. the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. John 2, 14 and 15. Uh, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Luke 12, 15. Does it really say watch out? Watch out, yes. Is that that like the book of Dio? It's the book of Dio. The book of Dio. <laughs> That's right. It says, I don't know, right here. It says, uh, Luke 12, 15. Watch out. Really? <laughs> 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 Watch out, exclamation mark. On your car. I gotta, yeah, I'm going to look that up. Luke 12, 15. Does it really say watch out? That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say that in like Hebrew? I can only imagine. Uh, it says uh, it also said uh, it maybe says take care. Uh, here's another take translation. Care. It says take care. That I guess book. you could also say watch out. It's a loose translation. Say watch out. And here's another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at a bunch of different translations. It's a, yeah, I see watch out and take care. Excellent. And another say you know, other say there's something shame. else I want. Right. There's something else I wanted to mention really, really quickly. It's something that's been bugging me for a while, and I've been meaning to actually write about it, but the hell with it. It's easier to just to, to just say here because I'm a lazy son of a bitch. Um, one of the things that Kane has been obviously making a lot of hay out of is the idea that his parents worked three jobs uh, – so that he could, uh, you know, uh, so that they could uh, get what they needed and he could uh, become this great superstar that, that he is now. Uh, obviously, there is nothing in this world wrong with working three jobs to provide for your family. There is nothing. You do what you need to do. I agree with him 100 percent on that. You always do what you got to do, you know, and you don't complain and you just do it. But the idea that he is pushing that as if that is a, a desired something that's desired you know uh, he's saying that like that's like that's a point a point of pride not that they did it because they had to but you know what my parents worked three jobs so damn it everybody should you know should work three jobs you know it's like no actually that is not you know i'll bet i'll bet your family who was working three freaking jobs wanted to be home taking care of you instead of out you know uh busting their ass all the time yeah and for some reason, that's just something that's really bugged me lately. The idea that that he he is not describing it as, look, you know what they they did what they had to do, and that's that's the moral of this story. He's putting the moral of the story. He seems to be putting the moral of the story on. Look, you know what? Everybody should have three jobs. Yeah. Well, remember George W. Bush thought it was uniquely American to work three jobs. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's not the way it should be. I get that times have changed that, you know, uh, in a global economy. Yeah, people may have to work more. Fine. But to make this argument that somehow it's okay for families, for mothers and fathers to work two, three, four jobs, never see their kids. And that that is an that is acceptable for an American middle class is fucking asinine. It really is. It really is. And again, these are people who cherish the 1950s, right? Who actually look back at that as that is the golden age of conservatism, 1950s, where you know you have you could have one breadwinner in the house, that person worked one job, 40 hours a week, had weekends, had paid vacation, had a pension waiting for him when he retired, could could earn enough 
to have to own a home, to own two cars, to send their kids to college. That was the I mean, look, that was the American dream. Now working three jobs. You first of all, who wants to work three jobs? You only work three jobs because you have to. Right, well, that's Secondly, what, exactly. That's what I meant. Right. Secondly, right now, good luck trying to find one job, much less three jobs. Great point. I mean, there are 11 million fewer jobs. Oh, what's the statistic? There are 11 million more people looking for jobs than there are actually jobs available. Yep. That's, that's the state of what's happening right now with the, the unemployment situation. These people That's aren't lazy. Point. They just they simply can't find the work because it's not there. Because corporations are sitting on a record amount of cash assets and they're refusing to spend it on creating new jobs or innovation or anything. They just don't want to they're spending on assets larger than they've been since 1959. Just $2 trillion. They're not spending on jobs. You think tax cuts are going to encourage them to, to spend money on jobs? It's not mm. going to happen. They're just not there. They're just not available. You can't just go out and find a job. It's not like it was 20 years ago. You just go out and there are jobs, just people yanking you off the street and saying, here, work here. You know, furthermore, you're finding the jobs that are there are underpaid. We're way late on the show now, but this is so important. The jobs that are there, you know, you got people who are working in executive positions now competing with teenagers for jobs at Walmart. Yeah, absolutely. Jobs at fast food restaurants. Sure. Un- there's, yeah, un- unemployed is one thing. Underemployed is, is something completely different and just as, as uh, horrible. Yeah. I mean, you could uh, you find a middle manager who used to work for a tech company now, you know, handing out, you know, pigs in a blanket at Costco. That's, I mean, go to, literally go to Costco. See who's handing out the little samples in the food section. Now, I bet, and if you ask them, do they, do they re- is that their career choice? Do they really want to be working at Costco? Yep. And where do they used to work? Yep. I see a lot of people, a lot of people, look, professional-looking people, working in, you know, flipping hamburgers. And Those in the guys. larger scheme of things, kind of what started this entire uh, conversation, in the larger scheme of things, you can't tell me that that makes America a better country. You can't tell me that... Somebody who's got that kind of education or somebody who has that kind of experience and, and that kind of uh, uh, work ability flipping burgers that, you know, I get, I get it. Once again, you do what you have to do. But you can't tell me that in the great scheme of things, that makes this country as a whole better. That makes us better. That makes us the country, the kind of powerful country that we were, say, in the 1950s. Yeah. You, you just can't. I mean, if all of it, if all of it was going towards some big industrial manufacturing boom, maybe you can make a case for it. Maybe you can make a case like we're all we're all pitching in for the big effort to for the for the next big American industrial revolution. But it's not happening. Right. We're doing it so that they can gamble our so that a very, very small group of people can gamble our money without making anything. Yeah, it's, it's when, when there's a, you know, a line a mile long to get the cashier job at the dollar store. That's not good, <laughs> yeah. especially if that job has to coincide with three other jobs or two other jobs. Once you get, once you get your foot in the door at Starbucks, you know, you check in at the dollar store and at Der Schnitzel. <laughs> Right. That's it. 
Uniquely American? That's not uniquely American. That's sad. That's dangerous. That's hurting America. Exactly. That's, 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 uh, not, that's not optimal. No. That's tolerable if you absolutely have to. Right. But it's not optimal. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not what you should be striving for yeah. in your country. You shouldn't be able to look at your country when, when that's the way things are and say, oh, man, look at America. We're great. Show me then how tax cuts and spending cuts are going to create better jobs, how it's going to recover the economy. Never in the history of the United States or of the industrialized world have tax cuts and spending cuts alone created economic uh, stimulus and growth and recovered from a, a recession. There's the, 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 uh, a worldwide, a global recession that was almost as deep as the Great Depression. Never. Look, find me the history. Show, I mean, I, I'm willing to admit that I'll be, if you find me the history and show it to me, I'll admit that I'm wrong. I'll come on this show and say, look, you know what? This guy found thing happened 50 years ago or a big recession in X country and they decided to cut a bunch of taxes and cut all their spending, have this huge austerity movement. And oh God, the, uh, suddenly the economy started booming. Never happened. Never happened. Yep. But then again, it's hard to find a recession that was as deep as this one. Got more stuff to talk about. It turned out to be a gigantic, massive, colossal Tuesday show. Tuesday. That's all right. Today's show brought to you, as it always is, by BubbleGenius.com. Please, I mean, of all the places you want to spend your money, uh, you know, all the money that you earn from your three jobs, <laughs> go to uh, Bubble Genius and support liberal, independent businesses. Couldn't be more important. Now more than ever. And uh, here's their latest commercial. Alas, poor Yorick. I knew him, Horatio. Hey, uh, Hamlet, that's not Yorick. It's, uh, it's a soap. A soap of infinite suds of most excellent fancy. Yep, it is pretty fancy. Uh, soap on a rope. To bathe or not to bathe, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the tub to suffer the suds and showers of outrageous smudges... Or to take arms against a sea of bubbles and by a bluting, end them. To wash, to soak, to soak perchance to clean. Aye, there's the rub. Alas, poor Yorick. Skull, soap on a rope, in four colors, including glow-in-the-dark. BubbleGenius.com The Bubble Genius Bob and Chez Show. And that's the name of this podcast. Enter your promo code... B-O-B-A-N-D-C-H-E-Z. That spells Bob and Chess. Get 15% off your entire order from Bubble Genius. It's a bargain at twice the price. They pass the savings along to you. Now, uh, speaking about what we were just talking about, uh, this item was in Right Wing Watch. Sponsored by the People for the American Way. Hmm. Headline, Tea Party Nation urges businesses to stop hiring in order to hurt Obama. Wow. Tea Party Nation sent to their members today a message from activist Melissa Brookstone urging business people to not hire a single person to protest the Obama administration's supposed, quote unquote, war against business and my country. Hmm. Brookstone writes that business my owners, country. my country, Brookstone writes that business owners should stop hiring new employees as if they're actively doing that now <laughs> in order to stand up to, quote, this new dictator, the global progressive socialist movement. Hollywood, the media, and Occupy Wall Street. Brookstone writes, resolved 
thought this is so fucking hokey. Resolved. Just <laughs> <laughs> make it like the Declaration of Independence. Resolved that the Obama administration and the Democrat-controlled Senate. That's Democratic. Democrat, right. Yeah. Or you could say, in this case, the democratically controlled Senate. They're, they're nothing if not uh, predictable. There's no such thing as a Democrat party in America. It just it doesn't exist. There's nothing called that. But anyway, the Obama administration and the Democrat-controlled Senate, in alliance with a global progressive socialist movement, have participated in what appears to be a global socialist agenda of redistribution of wealth and the waging of class warfare against our constitutional republic's heritage of individual rights, free market capitalism, and indeed our constitution itself, with the ultimate goal of collapsing the U.S. economy and globalizing us into socialism. So they think that there's going to be a collapse of the U.S. economy. Really? Based on these things. So wow. What, so what, Wait, there's going to be a collapse of the U.S. economy? Seriously? <laughs> Holy shit, how did they figure that out? Wow, those guys are fucking geniuses. So, the result, so what we ought to do to prevent that collapse is to stop hiring people. Did you Who wrote go, that? Tea Party I Nation. I really wish I had him and his fucking magic eight ball every single day of my life. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do before I walked out the door. The economy's going to collapse? Really? Yeah. This is unbelievable. Resolved. That President Obama has seized what amounts to dictatorial powers to bypass our Congress, and that because the Congress is controlled by a progressive socialist Senate that will not impeach one of their kind, they have allowed this and yielded what are rightfully congressional powers to this new dictator. Resolved that by their agenda and actions, those in our government who swore oaths to protect and defend our Constitution have committed treason against the United States. Treason. Resolved that the current administration and Democrat majority in the Senate, in conjunction with progressive socialists from all around the country, especially those from Hollywood and the left-leaning news media. (laughs) Have you listened to talk radio lately? Indeed, most Mm. of the news media have worked in unison to advance an anti-business, an anti-free market, an anti-capitalist, anti-individual rights and property ownership agenda. Yeah, turn on MSNBC the so-called liberal cable news network, and show me, just count the number of commercials on MSNBC, and then tell me they're anti-capitalist, anti-free market, anti-business. Resolved that our president, the Democrat socialists, most of the media, and most of these from Hollywood, have uh, have now encouraged and supported Occupy demonstrations in our streets, which are now being perpetrated across the globe. Perpetrated which are being populated by various Marxists, socialists, and even communists, and are protesting... Did they, wait, did they really say perpetrated across the globe? <laughs> yes. yes well, what, are they, what are they, like fucking uh, uh, the Fresh Prince? Jesus. <laughs> Who talks <laughs> like that? Mike Tyson. <laughs> Here is the, uh, the upshot. I, an American small business owner, part of the class that produces the vast majority of real wealth producing jobs in this country, hereby resolve that I will not hire a single person until this war against business in my country is stopped. So they're, they're, so they're going galt again. They're going which, galt. You know, which is humorous because most of them haven't read the, the uh, pretentious, ridiculous horse shit that is Ayn Rand. Yeah. And yet, you know, they, but, they, but they saw it in a bumper sticker. Yeah. We're going to go galt. That'll show them. If you go to the blogs section of uh, TeaPartyNation.com, you can read this whole thing for yourself. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Can I, so do I, have to? I don't have to, right? No, no you don't, don't have, have to. to. You, you can if you want to, but you don't have to. You don't have to. 
You know, it's it's just so funny the dichotomy. Sitting here as a as what I consider to be, and this is actually also from that political piece. As a progress, as a, a pragmatic progressive, which I am proudly able to call myself. You're going to label myself. You're going to label me. I'm a pragmatic progressive. Sit here and look at what's happening in the discourse. Where, our, if you listen to right wing talk radio, you read the Tea Party websites. There's this communist, far left communist conspiracy organized out of the White House to usurp the nation and institute, you know, socialist uh, policy. And then you listen to Jane Hampshire and Glenn Greenwald, and you think, "Fuck, we've got fascists in the White House." Uh, you <laughs> right. know, uh, you can't win. Neoconservative uh, Cheney disciples in the White House. Wonder who's right. It's, uh, it's just exhausting. It, you know, it really. It's really it, after a while, it really does. I just, I'm going to go get my Cymbalta prescription and, <laughs> and zone out. <laughs> well, a bunch of stuff uh, we didn't get to. That we should have gotten to. But we didn't have enough That's time. all right. There's always next week. Long, long show today. Uh, well, like Herman Cain admitted that 999 is indeed a tax hike. That actually wow, happened. what do you know? Yeah. It was on uh, Meet the Press. Same. 999 is a tax hike. I wonder if they covered that in the debate tonight. But, uh, you know, yeah. we can only get to so much. Special mm-hmm. Tuesday show, and and you know what? Now we're actually on the Huffington Post. So if you uh, you want to support the show, go check us out on the Huffington Post. The more traffic we get over there, the the higher yep, up, bring in, it on, in the lineup they'll keep us. And then you can actually see what what our heads look like. You know, where it's almost <laughs> like a human centipede that's been created at our byline. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, my head the, is the Sentai pad. Yeah, my my chin has been merged with Chez's scalp. It's all very creepy. Like I saw the thing last week, so uh, it kind of looks a little bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Is there like yeah. some sort of? You know what? You know, I just got to say this. Screw the guy who decided to make Human Centipede in the first place. The first movie. It's and screw him for making Human Centipede too. Just the idea that that is out there, that 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 that, I, that there is a concept that has been committed to celluloid, that's out there. The idea of sewing people together and make a giant human <laughs> It's just so repulsive to me. There's just certain things that, as a, as an adult, you wish you just didn't have implanted in your brain. And just oh, then you're really you're really not going to want to watch the end of the uh, the the end of the debate tonight when they sew all of the Republican candidates together, <laughs> ask them out. Oh my God, I'm going to vomit! <laughs> I'm going to vomit just knowing that maybe uh, like Ron Paul. Just don't is at the don't very even end. do it! Don't do it! Don't go there. We've taken, we've taken that as far as it should go. Uh, Ron Paul Believe is me, the, my, my imagination's doing everything for me. Ron Paul's the the caboose, <laughs> as it were. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Drive safely, and uh, see you next week, Chess. See you, man. Rupe.